On March 8, 2022, Spotify and Discord went down. And spoiler alert, the real reason is a shared infrastructure on Google Cloud uh, offering that's called the Service Mesh Traffic Director. That was the culprit. I'm going to go into the details of what exactly went down. But the most ins insightful thing in this particular outage is Spotify managed to come back after two hours while Discord managed to come back online after three. So what was the actual difference between the two? And why is the description between the outage length here? I just found, found this personally a little bit fascinating. How about we jump into it? Welcome to the Backend Engineering Show with your host, Hussein Nasser. This is the show where we discuss the art and the craft of building software and cover recent news on backend technologies. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and rate it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. With that said, let's get on the show. All right, guys, I know I'm a little bit late to the party, but uh, better late than never, as they say. Uh, I'm still recovering. I had I had the flu. Let's get into it. Incident report. We have an incident report uh, that was published March 11th. How about we read this report and then go through the real reason of what is behind this outage? So on March 8th, we experienced a global outage triggered by an issue in a cloud-hosted service discovery system used as Spotify. Service discovery is the key here. The, the moment you hear service discovery, always link it with microservices because you don't need to discover services if you don't have microservices, right? We were made aware of issues with login at 18.12 UTC right? and uh, started implementing Fixes to critical systems at 1830. So immediately after roughly what? 20 minutes? 20, 28, 27 minutes? Immediately 30 minutes, they immediately implemented something to fix it. Despite them having nothing to do with this because the real outage is in the Google Cloud. They're using a service, a traffic director service mesh from Google Cloud, and that went bust. Yet they somehow managed to implement their workaround. And I absolutely love this. As engineers, we should never be, you know, handcuffed to something and uh, wait for the mercy of that thing to be fixed. It just, it just fascinated me that they had a workaround in place, right? You might say, Hussein, this is just normal. Everybody has workarounds. And no, really. I, I rarely find people, engineers that have like, okay, let's just have a plan in case this goes down. And instead of us fit for, fit, trying to fix that. Uh, we covered many outages in this channel. We noticed that some sometimes you're just hopeless, really. You can't do anything. You have to say, hey, whatever service, please help me. We've seen this with, with Slack and Amazon, I believe. Uh, Slack would, were really just doing nothing. So it's like, hey, it's Amazon. What do, what do you want us to do? Can't do anything. It's the networking and Amazon that won't bust. 
Uh, this outage affected our users and we apologize for the inconvenience it may have caused. Our service has now fully recovered. Uh, I'm not recovered yet though. Sorry about my voice. Uh, what happened? The Spotify backend consists of multiple microservices that communicate with each other for microservices to be able to find each other. We utilize multiple service discovery, dis multiple service discovery technologies. Let's talk a little bit more about this before we go on. So, in order to for microservices to talk to each other, you know, uh, if maybe we just talk about what microservices are. Uh, traditionally, when we built a service, we hosted all this service and all possible APIs into a single instance and we spin up that instance, whether that was Java, Python, JavaScript, anything, right? And that when we listen on a certain port, you expose all sorts of endpoints or so slash whatever, slash login, slash um, give me this, slash give me that, right? Slash post. Do all this stuff into a specific problem. So that makes that 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 instance becomes heavy to start it, it consumes a lot of memory despite most of the endpoints not equally used so people invented the idea of microservices uh, there are pros and cons i gave my opinion about microservices i'm, I'm going to reference some videos here if you're interested to watch more about the, my opinion about microservices uh, but effectively people said okay since this instance starts so slow let's uh, let's break it down Right? And then the idea of breaking it down caused the, the evolution of microservices, if we will. But it also, microservices brought problems with it, you know, baggage, if you will. So now in order to communicate with these things, uh, now all of a sudden you need, you lost debugging. You can't debug. Previously, you, you just stepped into the code. And since you are in the same process, you don't have a problem. You can just step in the debugger, right? You don't have that anymore. If you call a method, you go through the network and you have to somehow debug on the other machine. So tracing was evolved, you know, uh, people started monitoring sets of tools that were invented as a result. Part of it is not just to talk about the protocols as well, you need to communication networking you know you have to agree on the protocol between the microservices whether you use tcp udp http what kind of protocol so uh that, that created complexity so people invented service mesh to set on top of the microservices you know uh, to to abstract that so the application doesn't need to know about security communication protocol doesn't care about anything just tell me what service you want to hit and i'll take care of it so that's the service mesh effectively. So part of service mesh job is to discover other services, right? So how do you discover? So simple thing if to discover, what does it mean to discover a service? So I want service A want to talk to service B. In order to talk to service B, bluntly speaking, I need its IP address, right? So service B doesn't mean anything. Right, it's just a string. So DNS is the solution. So that classically, we always use DNS to communicate between this. Problem with DNS is it's way too simple because it just gives you the IP address or a collection of IP address. And there is a limit to the record size. You cannot put 100 IP addresses because service B might be hosted on 100 uh, containers with different IP addresses, right? So there is a limit. Plus, uh, the service discovery wanted also the idea of um, 
you know, metadata. So like, okay, uh, this IP address, you know, service A, give me all your IP addresses and uh, give me metadata about this. Oh, this machine is actually up for this much. Uh, this machine is too busy. Uh, this machine went offline and it's 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 not really stable. It's being offline a lot. And uh, this you need metadata. You can't, can't have that with DNS. So people, Envoy, I believe the the proxy came up with a simpler service discovery API and then evolved and evolved and evolved uh, to this thing that's called X. SD. So if we saw this, this is the discovery service thing, right? So this is this is where the bug is, the real bug is. So XSD is the discovery, the new standard discovery protocol that is invented by Envoy, and, and I, I, I pretty much it's a, it's the standard. Now, now Spotify have both. They support XSD, the service discovery protocol, and they kept their DNS. They never got away with it. So now, most of our services are using DNS-based service discovery system. However, some of our services use an XSD-based protocol and discovery called Traffic Director. So they moved to the XSD and they used a feature called Traffic Director that they just outsourced this to Google Cloud. Traffic Director is the service mesh version of the Google Cloud offering, right? And that's what went down. Apparently, Discord uses the same one as well. So on March 8th, Google Cloud Traffic Director experienced an outage. This in coordination with a bug in client gRPC library caused a Spotify outage that affected many of the users. So we know that Spotify uses gRPC because they moved from their Hermes, uh, I believe that their, their client intercommunication protocol, uh, back to microservices. In order to talk for, between microservices, you need a protocol. And uh, for the longest time, Spotify uses something called Hermes, which is which was perfect. The the only reason they moved from Hermes to gRPC is because nobody knows Hermes. It's it's an in in house thing that they built. It's simple. They did the job, but they had to move to gRPC because everybody knows gRPC, right? That's another reason why you have sometimes you're forced to move to something just because everybody's using it, unfortunately. Right. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll reference their YouTube uh, video here. It's, it's actually fascinating to watch. So they are using gRPC. They're stuck with gRPC. Right. Nothing. I'm not saying gRPC is bad. Obviously, I made a video about that. If you, uh, and then they were logged out. What they think, as soon as the problem was discovered, we rolled out configuration changes to revert our affected systems to use our DNS. So they immediately fixed it. And, right? They fixed that to instead of using XDS, back to DNS. So let's just use simple DNS. And they saw traffic uh, recover gradually. <laughs> the problem is here, you know. When you have backend, a lot of backends starting to connect to each other, and there was an outage, it, there is an inertia that comes after the recovery. Everybody still knows, hey, uh, am I uh, am I online yet? Am I online? Yet? Oh, I think it's still offline. It's, so there's a confusion going on with the services. So there is cached knowledge that, oh, this service is down. I'm not going to try to connect to it. So you stop trying. And as a result, even if the service come back up, you never try again. And uh, there is a lag. So even if you recover, it's going to take time for all the components, the API gateway, the client application, the local caches, and your mobile phone to 
try again to connect to to destroy any bad IP addresses that have been cached from older DNS resolvers to to bring up the new one. So it takes time. So it took them only to fully, fully, exactly two hours and change, if you will, right? So then now they're talking about, uh, okay, we're talking to Google Cloud. But here's the beauty here is that they had a solution. First of all, they identified what was a problem, right? And then they moved, right? They, they managed to have a workaround. So here's the problem. Google Cloud. There's an incident report. It's public, so I can talk about it. You know, uh, some of you might, no might notice that, oh, why didn't you do the Slack outage? I can't. Uh, Slack incident report is kind of a private. They don't want you to talk about it for some reason, right? You have to obtain permission. And I don't want to obtain permission every time I want to talk about something, you know. If it's public, I'm going to talk about it. If it's not public, if you don't push it publicly, you know, then I'm not going to talk about it. Just avoid any problems. Uh, but yeah, on Tuesday, 8 March, what, why is the date weird? Google is an American company. That's weird. Usually the month comes before the date. Unless this is a European thing. I think they do it this way because it's a global thing, right? So it's like, okay, let's let's give people something they can actually read. <laughs> Dates that they can actually read. So yeah, the, the traffic director who had service mesh with traffic director managed backends experienced elevated service error for two hours and 35 minutes. So the outage lasted for two hours and 35 minutes that doesn't mean your application will instantly come back after two hours 35 minutes no right it will take time for the ramification afterwards to for the all the services to be restarted and the knowledge to come back fully right so it takes time for everything to come back to our traffic director customers were impacted we're sorry blah 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 root cause analysis what what, what was this what was the problem the traffic has uh, the traffic director has a configuration pipeline that distributes customer configurations to the traffic director infrastructure globally, right? So it's a global service. So if you want to scale globally, we're going to use all your services, we're going to put them everywhere in the world, and we're going to distribute your configuration. So you can update your configuration, and we're going to take them and then distribute them everywhere. That's the key here. This is called the configuration pipeline. The configuration pipeline has been undergoing a multi-stage, multi-year architectural rewrite to address a number of limitations in the previous architecture. One step to move to the new architecture has been to migrate existing traffic director configuration to the new format. So they're changing formats. We know what happens when you change formats. You have your old format, you have your new format. You have your old code that knows how to talk to the old format only, and you have your new code that knows to talk uh, to the new format, and possibly you have backward compatibility to read the old format. Let's continue. This data migration has been going on since November 2021, so a few months ago. The traffic director code was updated to handle both old and the new format. Good. So the code... There, so there, there exists a bunch of old configurations now since November 2021. Any update you make to your configuration is going to up, silently upgrade it to the new configuration because why do you care, right? And this obviously stops the old code can't consume your new code at the new formats. But, but the new can read the old. And this is the key here. The data format migration was not completed successfully. 
So they want to, the, the goal here is to move every single customer configuration, whether you touched it or not, to the new format. And that failed. But why didn't they detect the failure? They didn't detect the failure because there were other failures that got in the way. What does that mean? It encourages product failure that we're believed to only we're believed to only affect test configurations of own release features. Boy, from my experience now, what seventeen years, I have seen this a lot in my my testing harnesses, where there was a test that keeps failing. And we mark this as, oh, it's failing by, it's a known failure. So just keep it. Oh, we know that why it's failing. So just, oh, there are some failures. Oh, why are there some failures? That's known. And then you keep it for months. <laughs> it's failing for months. And you know that it's failing for months. And it's, it's all right because we know why it's failing. You know, you never remove it because eh, we'll eventually come back and fix that only thing that makes it failing. So... And that is what the lead confusion. I believe that they're, they're running into the same problem here. So because of this thing, they have test configuration. They had created some test configuration for some stuff that would never be released. And the actual code is failing to read those because, yeah, this is a valid configuration, right? And for some reason, they didn't remove those, but instead they kept the failures. These failures mask the true completion state. As a result... They, they thought that the migration was completed, but it was not. Because, okay, it was, oh, the migration was completed except for these failures. Oh, so someone came to the migration and says, oh, is this migration completed? Oh, yeah, sure. It's all, it's all done. But there are five failures here. Oh, these are known failures. Never worry about them. Don't worry about them. Just move on. And as a result, because of that, the actual migration actually failed. What does that mean? That means the XDS configurations, we now have a mixed. We have new formats and old format. And here's what happened. At eight March, at eight on eight March, you know, I can't read this anymore. You know, I lived in the Middle East for most of my life, 30 years, you know, but I, when I moved to the States, you know, seven years ago, I now, Always say the month first and the day later. You know, I know this is confusing for the rest of the world, but I'm not, I'm used to it. I can't say 8th of March. It's, it's so confusing. March 8th is, is more natural to me now. So now it's just every time I try to read it, <laughs> I get tongue twisted. So 10 a.m. Pacific time, right? This is where they made the change. A change to the driver code that processes the configuration was updated. They don't tell you what, but Here's my guess. They made the change so that that code doesn't need to read the old format anymore. Let, it, let us always read the new format because guess what? The migration was completed. We no longer have files lying around with the old format anymore. So yeah, yeah, scrap this old code nobody needs it. comment it out comment that old code who needs it the code change assumed that the configuration data file was, was completed i know okay in fact the data had not completed the failures as a result and the rest is basically you, you you're gonna know what happens right if if the code was updated all of a sudden 
then the code that is running in this traffic director tries to read a file that doesn't understand how to read because it's that old format. My point is like, why remove it? Just leave it there. Although I understand you want to clean your code. You want, you want to move to the new architecture because there is, there is performance implication of moving to the new format, as they mentioned. And they, move everything, they want to move everything to the new format because there is much better architecture. You know, they get out of any limitation they didn't mention here. But yeah, that's, that's, that's probably the reason why they want to move. They want to force moving to the new format, but they were not ready. So one solution is to really get rid of these unreleased feature test configurations that was failing. Your migration should actually completely succeed. I was really surprised that, yeah, Google never do this. You know, this is an error, you know? It's a user error, if you ask me. Remediation, what do you do? Uh, Google Engineering was alerted to the issue through a customer support issue. Da, da, da. This is like what happened, detailed impact, to tell you the detail, okay, what was, what really happened and all of that. Obviously, the rest is history. You know, they, they, what they did is, so this is what they did. The chains were rolled back, the configurations were recovered, and the service was restored for all users. So they, all that they did is just they, they rolled back the change to stop reading the old format and keep the old format code uh, there effectively. Right. So that's that. I bet I believe now what they will attempt is let's actually make sure that we upgrade all the customer files configuration and then make sure, uh, get everything up and running but i found this really interesting and if you're really interested to want to know about all this data plane api you know uh read this matt klein is he's the creator of envoy proxy and i made a video for envoy if you want to learn more about it it's not as detailed as 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 need to be you know uh, retrospectively speaking, I need to make maybe a, uh, a follow-up video about that. But uh, this is a good article. I'm going to reference it below and uh, plus the other articles as well. Guys, uh, sorry about my voice again. And uh, I'm going to see you in the next one. You guys stay awesome. Goodbye.